Escape from Plan A. Welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host, Diana, and today I'm joined by Jess. Hey, what's up? And uh, our new guest, Tope. Hi, everyone. Hey, we're so glad you could join us today. Um, Yeah, so today we are going to be talking about um, Chanel Miller, who just recently, this past Wednesday, revealed her identity as um, the victim of the brock turner rape from 2016 if you'll remember or well i guess it happened in 2015 but then the trial and her um statement came out in 2016 and that was you know like a sexual assault case that really made waves even before the me too movement and um it turns out that chanel miller is a mixed uh, Asian woman, and we're kind of here to talk about kind of like the identity of, you know, like what that what, what that kind of means uh, in terms of like how she was viewed and what it means for, you know, like the Asian community in terms of like how to support, you know, somebody like that. So, yeah. Um, but first, let's uh, have uh, Tope introduce herself. Hey guys, I am in Los Angeles, down the street from Jess, actually. Yay! <laughs> I'm not a native Angelino, but I've been here for quite a while, and I spend most of my time uh, pitching to magazines and screenwriting now, writing wow. Asian American um, woman leads. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything in particular that you're working on? Uh, a couple of things. I just started a, a new ensemble feature about uh, women ghosts in New Orleans, and the last one that uh, I'm pushing my back catalog is about uh, Vietnamese-American refugees in New Orleans. I was a refugee as a child and grew up in the South. Wow, incredible. Yeah. Go Southeast Asian representation. Yay. Yeah. So, okay, we got so much representation going on here. We have um, LA representation. Woo. Um, we have South Southeast Asian. We have Southern Southeast Asian. And we have Vietnamese and Vietnamese refugee. This is like a grand slam, guys. This is a grand slam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's- cool. So um, I guess maybe to give a little bit more background. Um, so what happened to Chanel was um, in 2015, she went to a Stanford frat party, I guess. With her younger sister, she had already graduated from uh, Santa Barbara with a literature degree, but she was just at a party. She drank too much, and uh, when she woke up, she was in a hospital, and they told her she had just been sexually assaulted, uh, raped, and she, you know, like her, basically her life completely changed after that. What happened was um, this kid, this like freshman as Stanford, Brock Turner had just, like, taken her behind the building where the frat party was and just, like, stripped her naked and f- molested her 
uh, I think like next to a dumpster or something. It was just really awful and disgusting. And in the middle of him doing that, these two uh, graduate students from Sweden saw him and chased him away and brought um, Chanel to the hospital. Uh, the case, uh, the the rape case took a year and um, Brock Turner was convicted of three counts of like different kinds of sexual assault. But the judge, Aaron Persky, only gave him a six-month sentence. He served like three months of it on quote-unquote good behavior, you know, and the out, like, there was huge backlash because of the light sentencing and because uh, he, you know, of like the light serving, even lighter serving of that sentence. Um, Aaron Persky had to step down as a judge, I think, and a bunch of California laws on like minimum sentencing of you know like sexual assault were changed because of that that case yeah yeah and uh so that was uh the rape happened in 2015 uh the the case ended in 2016 and just this a few days ago um well so previously um Chanel had uh been an anonymous um defendant wait no prop I, I don't know. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, she, she was anonymous. She went by Emily Doe when she made her victim statement. And, and like, uh, a couple days ago, she came out and revealed her, her real name. And she's coming out with a book on September 24th called Know My Name, which is very appropriate. And um, it's supposed to be a really, really good book um, from... Like, I've heard this from, like, people who know her that are, like, she's, you know, an incredible person and, like, she's an amazing writer. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty eager to, like, read that. Yeah, for sure. We, we might have to do a follow-up after uh, after we all get our hands on, our, on a copy of that. Cause I, I'd really yeah, like that would be amazing. She, yeah. Yeah, and, um, well, the thing is, like, when she came out, like, all the all the news outlets had photos of her and I saw them and I was like, oh my God, she's, she's Asian. She looks Asian. It turns out she is, um, mixed Asian. Uh, her dad is white and her mom is Chinese American. I think she's like a filmmaker or something. Um, the family lives in California and I just was like, okay, this kind of explains a lot to me, you know, just like, like the the horrifying nature of the crime and just how lenient the judge was and i also thought you know like maybe this was one of the reasons that she remained anonymous during the trial because it's it's one of those things where i feel like if something like this happens to an asian woman people aren't as sympathetic you know so for her to like have an impact maybe she decided to stay anonymous so people in america would think she was a white woman and then she would actually get you know the outrage and attention that this like insane case deserves yeah i mean i won't presume um that there were i I won't presume her motive for staying anonymous 
Um, but I think it's pretty clear uh, what the impact of that decision was, at least. P I think this case did get way much more attention and notoriety because of that implied, um, because of that anonymity, because people thought, you know, probably thought uh, implicitly that this was a white woman who had been attacked. So if if her racial identity did play a part in that, um, I mean, that's, 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 a burden we all share. So I'm not going to place any kind of judgment on that. That was entirely her call and I support that. But it's uh it's I can't help but imagine just how uh, you know how different it would have been if it had been public from the get-go, you know? Uh and right. as a political maneuver, I I think that was the right call. Um to stay as anonymous as possible. Um I mean that I as far as I know, I tried to look into similar cases. Um any case that received this amount, all of the cases that seemed to reach this level of national uh, notoriety, the victim was actually public with their identity. So um, even leaving off, you know, ra any kind of racialized, um, racialized thinking, just the fact that you just did not know who she was. I think that did enable a lot of people to just put themselves in her position, right? Um, and just you know, kind of have her story embody this collective trauma that millions and millions of women share. Um, so, you know, that decision did become rather all-encompassing. And so I think she, I mean, this this was a, it, it was, a, I think, a cathartic moment for a lot of women to really be able to um, to share in this, to share in this pain together and pull, you know, and kind of like... I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of studying right now. But what I'm saying is since we didn't know exactly, you know, the collection of identities she had for for a brief moment, women of all colors, right? All political affiliations, well, except for maybe the Trump voting ladies. Um we could all we could all kind of picture ourselves in solidarity with this woman, right? Leaving off any political overtones that, you know, race or class or whatever would lend to the case. Mhm. Mm collective outrage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. You just summed up like me babbling for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, one perfect phrase. Collect. We were able to Im like embody collective outrage that transcended identity markers in a lot of key ways, except for the one that mattered in this case the most, which is gendered violence. Now, the fact that she is out as a uh, as a mixed Asian woman, uh, now we can parse through, you know, the racialized dimension of that, and, and yeah. Uh, that it made so much sense to me exactly the how this case played out given that lens too. Yeah, and like I think a lot of that also was like how vivid and emotive that her um, victim statement was. It was like twelve pages. Like I've never I've never read anything like that. You know, stuff like that never gets published. Well, maybe it does, but I don't know. It's it just felt different. You know, because I, I remember that. You know, like the expectation oh, yeah. should never be on victims that they need to be, you know, like to be able to be eloquent or, you know, stand for themselves or anything. That's not their burden. Right. But the fact that she was able to relay her story and that trauma in such clear, like eloquent terms, um, like that was that was moving. I, I had to I couldn't read that thing in one in one go. Like I had to like go at it over the course of days, you know, to properly be able to handle it without just like breaking down, you know? 
So I'm glad, like she, I'm, I, I'm, I hope she has plenty of support. I'm glad she's in a place now where she can step forward and hopefully, you know, take leadership on on these causes. Yeah, yeah, and I will say that, like, even with all of that, you know, even with everyone assuming it was a white woman, and even with such a vivid, eloquent, um, like recount of her experience there were so many people blaming her for what happened they were like you shouldn't have drank so much like it was your fault stuff like that just like all like there's there was so much of that too you know i think they would have uh, blamed her more uh, by stereotyping her by race if she had come out earlier with her you know full identity and it's interesting that she chose emily doe instead of just jane doe i don't know if that was any you know, indication of, you know, outside the status quo or what most of us thought she was. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how that convention played out. Um, but yeah, she would have gotten, she would have gotten gendered abuse and then racialized gendered abuse on top of that, if that part of her identity were known. Um, and the real thing, I suspect if, um, if it had become known that she is Asian, uh, I don't think this case would have reached any of this level of notoriety. Like, I'm kind of wondering now. Um, I think the press is doing a really good job of promoting this book and uh, and publicizing uh, her new stance to come forward. Um, but I'm kind of wondering how many women are like, oh, well, <laughs> fuck it. Why, why did I give such a shit? Right? It's just some Asian whore. Right. She would have been framed as, you know, an Asian temptress and not like an innocent white woman. Now she kind of does have the burden to speak for, you know, all the women whose rape kits haven't been tested yet. And just a slew of backlog of cases that will never make it uh, to this level of media. Yeah, I feel like it was really, yeah, I feel like it was really smart of her to come out with her identity later. Because now if, if, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of women who are like, oh, why do we care so much? But they're not going to say it, you know. They Now they have to be behind her because they were before. They can't just, like, go back now because they will, like, they'll make it obvious that they're a racist. Because, I mean, there was a, a sort of a similar case, right? Uh, Tope, you actually uh, shared this with me. Um, Emma Solkovitz? Is that how you say her name? Mattress Girl, yeah. Yeah, so she was a student at Columbia University who was raped on campus, I think. Uh, and the the university uh, said the rapist was not responsible. I don't know the details of the story, but like after that, she carried a mattress around campus everywhere she went to show that she they had to, you know, quote unquote, carry the rape weight of being raped you know like that was the weight that she had to carry all the all the time i think uh friends Mm -hmm. also helped carry the mattress too and at graduation it seemed like a group of women uh helped her yeah that makes sense yeah yeah that's really hard to carry a mattress by yourself um actually i was uh, (laughs) i was corrected i I don't think i could do it (laughs) emma wants to go by uh they and their her uh her pronouns and I, I had been uh, saying she as well, so. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I, I should have read up on that before. No, originally, I was, yeah, I was glad someone brought it up to me um, mm-hmm. to call mm-hmm. Emma they. Yeah, um, but Emma's also mixed a mixed Asian woman. 
Um, I actually didn't even know that. Like, I heard a blip about this case, but, you know, it, it was definitely not as big as Chanel's case. And it, I felt like it just kind of, like, was a, a little anecdote, you know, of like, oh, and here's cute stories, you know. And yeah. I also remember um, the the rapists at Duke University, the lacrosse players. I, I didn't really follow that story, you know, after the initial in, initially came out. But that was a, a black woman. And I think she was like an exotic dancer who said she was uh, gang raped by the lacrosse team. Was I don't, I don't remember what happened. Like, I think it was like thrown out or like they said she was lying. Or yeah, something. I just looked that up. Actually, yeah. her name uh, is Crystal Mangum. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, they found out she wasn't telling the truth. But okay. she was, uh, yeah, she, you know, was visible from the beginning, just like Emma. So we knew mm-hmm. uh, what they both looked like. So with uh, Emma Sokolitz, um, I, I remember following that case. Um, but like like you, I had no idea that she was uh, also Asian. Um, and in the, I guess it's, it's heartening. I mean, I think one thing is that she, they uh, themselves did not uh, center that portion of their identity as part of the as part of the uh, struggle, right? To, for justice. Um, so there was that. Uh, so not that many people knew, probably, despite the fact that um, they were a very public figure, right? In the in the public discourse, very prominent. Probably a lot of people who were following the news in that time would immediately be able to uh, identify identify uh that case uh that story um but uh and uh so i don't actually recall seeing any particular racial dimension obviously there were people on both sides of that right the people who wanted to support her uh wanted to you know help seek justice uh in that case and obviously you know the the uh the other side, which was all about this is just, you know, a fame seeking slut who got who, you know, regretted it, right? Um, and it's just seeking publicity, notoriety, uh, and probably money or something as a result, right? Um, uh, even that side didn't really parse uh their identity too carefully. Um it, it wasn't it just wasn't brought up. Um, and I don't know, maybe most people, you know, just didn't know, right? And they would have if they did, but, um, they didn't code as Asian. Um, so I think it, that part just slid under the radar. Uh, I think it's different in Chanel Miller's case because, uh, she is very clear about centering, uh, her Asian identity. I think it was, uh, pointed out that her book cover was a depiction of Japanese kintsugi, uh, traditional, you know, you know broken pottery repaired with gold it's beautiful it's beautiful symbolism uh and uh she's public with the identity you know with the identities of her mother and father right so it seems like uh she's more willing to center that as part of her entire narrative again without reading the book who knows but um like she deserves she deserves our solidarity as women and uh, and i think she is uh making a stand that uh um, that uh, she is Asian as well. So I think we should be absolutely, you know, providing solidarity for her on that dimension as well. Yeah, I'm really curious um, how much of the book that she'll dedicate to uh, talking about race and what she thinks it had to do with it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting dimension to go into. Um, well, the publisher summary says her story illuminates a culture biased to protect perpetrators, indicts a criminal justice system designed to fail the most vulnerable, and ultimately shines with the courage required to move through suffering and live a full and beautiful life. God, it just fucking sucks what happened to her. Sorry. I read that. It's a beautiful blurb, but I'm just like, fuck you, everybody. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she needed oh my that God. time oh. to just heal and process and and everything. Yeah. And there are, you know, other books coming out or, you know, uh, or a show. Monica Lewinsky uh, mm-hmm. has a TV yeah. show, you know, outlining her whole situation, uh, which is completely different, of course. But, um, you know. No, she's one of the, you know, I've been... I've been waiting for that one. Um, Monica Lewinsky is one of, uh, like, we cannot be having this conversation we are having today if it weren't for women like her. Um, I was reading a really good piece on, you know, Lorena Bobbitt. Um, do you girls remember remember that story? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So for, for anyone too young or just wasn't, uh, wasn't following, Lorena Bobbitt um, was huge in the 90s. So her, um, she is... Uh, Hispanic American, uh, married to a white guy. He was a, an abusive asshole, a total prick of a man. Uh, and one night sh- he raped her, uh, and then she cut off his penis, and then took off in the in a car, in the family car with it, just like tossed it out the the window. So, uh, like I was very very young, so I don't even recall like like any discourse around it but i do remember in the years after like people would be joking about it um she became reduced to like a punchline yeah i only remember the jokes and i was really young uh too but it was like it was just all jokes like this was a few years before the internet came out and it was just like the internet was just full of lorena bobbitt jokes it was a jordan peele who made um the show about Lorena, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. Have you? No, no I heard about a documentary that came out uh, recently um, that covered that case, and there were some there were some think pieces revisiting um, revisiting that that era of journalism. And so Lorena Bobbitt, I think, came first, and then came you know, then came Monica Lewinsky. And I mean, I w- I think I was in grade school um, when I first heard about it, so still too young to really process what's going on and why all the adults are laughing or you know like in hysterics over this. But as an adult, you know, looking back at that uh, now with twenty nine, the lens of twenty nineteen, um, like that was that was so horrendously wrong. What we what we collectively as a society did to her. Yeah, yeah, we shamed her and said. Considering, you know, how she was manipulated in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was portrayed as the temptress, you know, the the lush little snack for Bill Clinton. I mean, and Bill Clinton was at, was still centered in that. She's just, um, quote, the tramp um, that either brought down a beloved president, if, you, if, if you're on the Democrat side, or like the symbol of like his depravity, corruption, uh, and uh, and you know, if you're a Republican, then you were just jump jumping with glee on this story. And if you're a Democrat, you hated her because um, she brought uh, she's bringing shame to the Clinton presidency. So she had no allies on any side, 
Um, and if I recall correctly from just, um, like, women were dogpiling on her too. Like, this, she had no allies in any of this. None. There wasn't the language of rape or consent or coercion. Nothing. Yeah, every woman was dogpiling, like, we're not, we're not that girl. Like, she's bad. We're not, we're, we're the good ones. Stuff yeah. like that. So, I mean, and the Clintons themselves, you know, distanced, I mean, Hillary was bad, was uh, just as culpable in this, too. Um, uh, she was, she stood for her husband. Admittedly, I mean, like, what the, what the hell is she going to do, right? Um, but if you're, if you're seeing this from, you know, taking a stand for what's right, then, you know, um, Hillary Clinton, who ran a, you know, a, a, her own bid for presidency on, you know, the power of the women's movement, sold out one of the most no- notorious female figures of the late 90s, directly implicated in her husband's presidency. And we just let that shit just slide under the rug. I also remember Anita Hill. Oh, she also my God. became... Yeah. Oh, my God. I, like, she, she... Every woman in that era became the just the butt of men's jokes. Like, I remember this SNL sketch... It was like about the Anita Hill trial, but like she, the, a woman, you know, a black woman played her for like two seconds and then she walked out and it was just all, you know, like the trial lawyers telling jokes and like giggling, like, like boys, like 12 year old boys or something. It was just horrendous. Yeah, I'm glad things have changed somewhat, but even with the Brock Turner case, we still have um, a friend of his, uh, Leslie Rasmussen, who wrote a letter uh, defending him. And saying that there he couldn't be a rapist. It's kind of like the Lena Dunham uh, apologizing for her friend who uh, assaulted yeah. Aurora Perino. So um, in these cases, we still have uh, white women standing on the side of the man. And I'm just reading uh, through some stuff, too, that even Brock Turner's dad called uh, Chanel Miller 20 minutes of action. So that's what... Yeah, see, that's where, that's where the, that's the immediate thing that jumped to my mind um, when it became clear that Chanel Miller was Asian. Like, this is, how direct can you be between the Asian woman as prostitute and Brock Turner's dad's statement, right? This is telling the judge, this is too harsh a price, this is too steep a price to pay for 20 minutes of action, for a little bit of fun with that Asian whore, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it boiled down to. Um, that's actually, I think when I, when I heard that, that kind of made me wonder who this woman might have been at the time, because this seemed like such debased, dehumanized language, um, that I like, like, even if you're complete, if you're trying to defend your son, right, you're, you're gonna, you need to be defending him, right? So you're going to think about your language very, very carefully. I would, I would think, right? And the fact mm-hmm. that he chose that phrasing to appeal to a white judge implies a certain, let's say, shared an assumption of a shared understanding that there is a, there is a sliding scale of value accorded to women according to their race, their appearance, whatever. Right? He wrote that in. He wrote that with the understanding that this white judge would understand, would pick up what he's putting down. Right. And what he chose to say was, this is too steep a price to pay for 20 minutes of action. I think if you're actually a moral, reasonable man, and let's say you're a piece of shit anyway, where you're trying to get your son off, right? Um, out of, keep your son out of prison, you would probably not say this shit. 
Yeah, I just compare it to I compare it to the um, Brett Kavanaugh hearing. Like, if he had said that, if anybody had said that about Christine Ford, like people would have freaked the fuck out. Yeah, right. It's it's all framing like a. Yeah, this has to be this has to be positioned. This has to be framed on an assumption that this victim is a little less human than than warrants all this quote all this fuss, right? Like this is just some whore. Come on, dude, cut me a break here. Yeah, show a little understanding. Yeah, I you remember. Know. I remember when when I yeah like it's when it happened like in twenty sixteen, like. Something just felt wrong, like viscerally wrong. Like there's something weird, like something they're not telling us about this case. And I, I didn't know what it was because like back then I didn't really have that like racial awareness. But I just like I just knew there was something, something like that, you know, because you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that like part in um, Louis C.K.'s show like there's this clip that I saw with Alan Alda and talking to Louis C.K. and uh, they're talking about like uh, hiring an Asian prostitute or something. I don't remember, but it was like Louis was on the phone. And he was like, "Oh, I've never, I've never had sex with an Asian woman." And then Alan Alda goes, "Like you've never had sex with an Asian woman? That's what they're there for." Like that is. That is what he was, that is what Brock Turner's dad was saying to the judge in code. Like, you don't, you cannot talk about white women this way. You can't. Um, you wouldn't, you would, you would express, you would have to, if you're his dad, if you're the victim's dad and trying to speak to the judge, right? And there's a white woman, um, you know, in the, in between that, right? Getting in your way here. You would try to position, you would try to show an understanding of the worth of this victim, the implied worth. And let's face it, a white woman is worth the most in this, in the racial hierarchy of women. There is no one worth, uh, more considered worthy of sympathy, um, justice, right? Right? And um, you would be trying to show that you and your son understand the inherent worth of this victim, not talking about how much they how how much a little action is going to cost your precious son. Like that just takes some seriously debased, dehumanized thinking. Yeah, if anything, it makes it look like the apple didn't fall far from the tree. It. Uh... Yeah. All right. It's like yeah. action. You call a person action that his friend wrote the letter to and I, I think if it had been a white woman instead of Chanel that Leslie mm-hmm. Rasmussen wouldn't have written the same thing from you know a, a woman's point of view saying it was basically her fault because she drank too much it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. the same thing and I can't remember like, oh yeah he never raped me he values women <laughs> white women <laughs> yeah. you know like okay good for you good for you that, yeah, that's not a, yeah. a great excuse. And isn't there like a long line of uh, Asian women coming to America being labeled as prostitutes right away? Um, yeah, that's oh, the that's uh-huh. the history. Yeah. That's the history. Yeah, the first uh... Asian immigrants to the United States. Um, I mean, there was a wave of earlier Filipino settlement, but um, in modern history, we're talking about um, 
the Cantonese Chinese uh, immigrants of the 1800s. Um, they, they were mostly men. Uh, immigration of women was strictly prohibited in order to maintain, you know, maintain tight control on the male uh, Chinese population. Yeah, there was, at first there was the um, Anti-Kidnapping Act of 1870. It was in California and it prohibited like, quote unquote, sex trafficking, specifically of Chinese, Japanese and Mongoloid uh, women and it was supposedly to you know protect the victims of human trafficking but it was enacted to um, prevent Asian women from Im- going entering California and in 1875 the Page Act was enacted by Congress um, signed in by Ulysses S. Grant to also prohibit um, prostitutes, laborers, stuff like that. But by that time, um, like the association between Chinese women and prostitution was already so, um, so solid in the public consciousness that that law, that w- which was the first law to prohibit immigration based on race, and it was also... I think like Chinese, Japanese, Mongoloid, that language. Um, uh, it was it was enacted to bar immigration of Chinese women, specifically based on the presumption that they were all prostitutes. Right. Even in the modern day, I've, I've seen you know random stuff like Craigslist post um, from women who are afraid of Asian women luring their men away. And that type of <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's that's drawing on a an age old <laughs> problem. Uh, yeah, this has been going back like a, over a century now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Britain Britain got ahead of that. You know, they were when they waged war on China. There was a ton of propaganda and a lot of the you know correlating um, you know like titillating imagery, right? Or it in works of literature or art or something that was de- like it drew on orientalism right the exotic seductive asian woman right and this time instead of be- instead of being centered in the middle east now it's centered in the far east so um you know imperial china basically so so there's a long history of the assumption of being just a depraved whore a depraved soulless whore um, dedicated to the pleasure of white men. Yeah. Like, that's that's literally part of it. I mean, that's how this is justified, that we are, um, that we're just sexually debased. We cannot control it. This is just part of our nature, right? Um, this needs to be controlled for us, and in on the off chance that a ne- an ill effect happens as a result of sexual contact, contact well, it, you know, couldn't be helped. This is just nature's law. This is yeah. not this you is not a crime insane? perpetrated like, upon a person. It it's like it's so bad. Like some somebody told me that um their therapist tried to medicate their sex drive. What? Why? Yeah. Like she, apparently it was too high. Too too high for Yeah. Yeah. So against the will of the patient? What's going on? No, but on? I mean, you know, there's, you know, if it's like a your therapist telling you that, you know, that's some form of kind of manipulation or coercion, you know. 
It's like that. That's a trusted relationship. That's yeah. The assumption it's is well, really if you just stop whoring around, maybe some of your problems might go away. Like okay, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I I feel like this this stuff is it's just um, you know, because you like Jess, you said that um, Emma did not really center her her race in her rape, and in, in in that um case and. It's like I feel like it's partly an individual decision, but partly it's also like the media kind of doesn't portray Asian women as victims, you know? Like we kind of went over this in our other um our other podcast, but it's like anytime there's just a victim who's Asian, like especially if the um if the perpetrator is white, but not always the case, like there's never any mention of race. Like that racialized context is always, always uh, erased, decentered. You know, like with the gynecologist at USC, and with like reportings of the Berkeley rapist. But also, um, other like smaller things. Or um, do you remember the Plain Bay from a couple years ago? Um yeah, so she she's an Asian woman and the like the the person she was so okay, what happened was this this white woman posted on Instagram or something just like about uh she was on a she was on a flight and she saw this woman in the seat in front of her oh, or something. I remember that's that whole like meat cute. She she thought she was narrating some meat cute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was, like, posting photos. Maybe it was Twitter. I don't remember. Yeah, it was but Twitter. But she was just like, oh, yeah. She was like, oh, look, they're, they're meeting. They're falling in love. Oh, she went to the bathroom, and he followed. And I bet they're having sex in the bathroom. And um, that woman, the, the one who uh, was the victim of this, um, she was like doxxed and she got so much harassment that she like just had to, you know, like step, step off of all social media, period. I don't know if she had to move, if it was like that bad, but also like, um, the guy involved, he just took that, uh, attention and ran with it. Yeah. Like, what, didn't he, he like a talk show some- or something? uh-huh and he was like oh you know maybe we'll meet up later maybe we had sex so like a gentleman doesn't tell stuff like that oh god uh blowing it up yeah. for his own oh, benefit god. so people would consider him the stud muffin and her the slut yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh i i didn't know this before um but plain bay was an asian woman and i didn't know that until i read um mooching zhang's uh, article about that yeah it's just continual stereotyping it never goes away or you know people like to portray the asian asian american woman as wanting it as going after it just because that's how you know long uh, long ongoing jokes about asian prostitutes uh, yeah. are, are everywhere i saw a script doctor a white guy um who answered a tweet it was uh, an asian american male filmmaker a few years ago saying how many Asians are at the Golden Globes right now 
And the white guy uh, chimed in something like, not that many, but there'll be a lot more Asian prostitutes at the after parties. Wow. <laughs> uh, you just have to laugh sometimes. Uh, or you're going to just scream. And then oh, I don't think that, that's funny that, you know, any uh, yeah. <laughs> Asian American woman is just going to be cast off that way. Oh, yeah. oh didn't you post something about um, like like a oh an Asian woman like applying for a job and they wrote on her resume love you long time something yeah. like that Connie Cheung C-H-E-U-N-G um, from Chicago and uh, yeah it was two white guys recruiters who accidentally copied her on an email and called her quote unquote <laughs> me love you long time uh, she's trying to <laughs> I wrote a article about that. Yeah. So her friends posted it and it got everywhere online. And one of her friends confronted the guy and he said, Oh, I just called her that because she looks Asian. So, you know, any, any Asian woman to them is called me love you. Yeah, that, it was like, the defense that got me on that one. Like, like okay, yeah, it's, it's like that you just, that's what you came up with. As a defense? Yeah, yeah. She Jesus. Said, I heard it in a movie, so it's just in the movie. So I can call her that if I want to. Oh, I, I, I did that because she looked Asian. Yeah, that's why I did that. It's okay. Like, oh. Yeah, they have Jesus it in writing from him. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm glad. I think the, sto- the full story after that is uh, the two recruiters were fired. Um, and people have not let let up on them uh, ever since. Like somebody actually like warned a future employer about this guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so good. I'm glad that the shit's following people around, and we now have the ability to do that. Yeah, um, same. It's, it's good to just, put it out there. yeah. So this is this is the struggle, right? You got it. Like when these cases, I think it is on us um, as a collective, right? When we see these stories. Um, it is imperative to keep following up. And if there is that little bit that you can do, um, I think it's, uh, it's, this is the cause. This is what, if you're able to do it, do it, right? Um, it's as simple as just making sure you keep tabs on some of these cases. If they're particularly sensitive or there's something about it that's, uh, that's, um, in, of interest, uh, I mean, just follow up, see what, see what happened to these people. It's worth it. It's worth seeing how this stuff plays out because if it's just uh, like it's it's great to see these initial bursts of activity on this, but if it just if you just forget about it and they're allowed to go about doing this shit forever, and like nothing's actually really going to change. Like there do has do have to be lasting consequences for their actions. Like I'm super glad, like that Brock Turner forevermore. This shit's gonna follow him wherever he goes. Yeah, we all know his, his name and her name now. We all know it. We all know it. I'm pretty sure there's going to be fewer boys named Brock after that case. <laughs> like, fucking, it's what's that short for name broccoli? Name. Like, what is that name? What is the... Like, just get rid of that trash. Get rid of that trash. Start with the name. Um, right? Yeah. So, like, I make it's... a list. Yeah. <laughs> every time I see um every time I see a uh, article about, you know, like a sexual assault of like somebody who might be an Asian woman, I just I just put it in a spreadsheet. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, what's up FBI? Diana's doing your shit for you. So I hope you're snooping <laughs> on her computer. 
I hope you <laughs> get some education. Yeah, no, a guy still think it's funny to reduce Asian-looking women to prostitutes. That's just what mm -hmm. enters their mind automatically somehow mm -hmm. from media. Yeah. So this is where that angle that Diana brought up really comes into play. And I know, I know I'm walking into tricky waters here, so I um, so uh, I hope I'm clear on what I'm saying here. Um, like Emma Solkowitz uh, and Chanel Miller now, um, they are getting the degree of notoriety and sympathy that they are able to elicit is partly due to the fact that they are white-coded. I will absolutely claim them both as Asians and sisters, right, In this, it, as far as identity goes, but it is a raw fact that it's because they can leverage that ambiguous identity that they're able to leap to, to gain an audience of that size that is not available to, say, straight, uh, you know, yellow or brown Asian coded women who experience trauma in the same way. No, totally. <laughs> they're they're their names to begin with. Yeah. When you just read them on the page, they are obviously. Yeah. And there's so many that go unreported. Just in my time in college, I've I've heard of in of brutal stories. Uh, I did not know these women, but these are these were Asian and brown women um, who experienced some fucked up shit. Uh, and there is there was not a word. So it bears thinking about the raw fact that um, what we're seeing in public is not even the tip of the iceberg in terms of the enormity of the problem on the ground. You know, a half Asian, half uh, white woman before microaggressions years ago, and her name is, is purely a white name, first and last name. And she's like, well, I don't get that. And she just never could, uh, she could never figure out why. I'm treated differently with a name that looks like Thuk Nagayan, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> with her name. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. You know, like Lisa Simpson. So, <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not doing this to. I think the language of privilege gets really. Uh, it's messy and imprecise. It's too. It's not. It's not correct to use here. I'm not saying that these women are more privileged in their say, like white identities. In being able to have a white identity to fall back on, uh, I, I'm just all uh, all I'm, I'll say is that I feel like have having access to the societal support that that kind of identity brings you. Um, I I think that's uh, I think they I guess in in short I'm really hoping that Chanel Miller takes a strong leadership position in being able to advocate for women who experience yeah, this shit sure. across the fucking board, right? We're talking about white victims, black victims, brown, yellow, all of that. If she wants to talk about, I'm glad she's centering uh, her racial identities in, in her, in, in her, new, in her coming out basically. Um, and I think, I hope fingers crossed and I'm supporting her in this, that she takes a stand for uh, all victims, because if anyone understands how tricky this shit gets and how complicated the power dynamics, I think it would be her. That's a yeah, huge milestone. For sure. Yeah, for for everyone that, you know, we have different ways to share this information now. And like Monica Lewinsky, I hope that Chanel does this for the rest of her life for decades and decades to come, just because this behavior, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Like we need somebody who's really thoughtful and can maneuver um can like navigate these spaces. Because honestly, like our like current Asian 
representation in this matter is really shitty. Like, um, uh, like Jeff Yang, when he posted about this, he was like, oh, I, I don't know if this woman is Asian, but I, she kind of looks it. And I Googled her mom and this is what her mom's name is. And uh, I just want to say it's really hard for sexual assault victims to come out because Asian culture is so uh, such a backwater in terms of like silencing sexual assault victims or yeah, stuff like fuck that. You. Fuck you. Fuck you. You self-absorbed <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah. Holy fuck. Just doesn't hold back. Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's have yeah. that conversation, right? About Asian, the complex, the complexities of rape and shame and victim blaming, all that shit in Asian Americans. We can have that, not in this fucking case, okay? Chanel Miller did everything that everyone's been telling victims that they should do, and still came out. Look, she was assaulted, right? She. She reported the crime. She cooperated with law enforcement. They were able to collect physical evidence from her body. She was supported throughout a long and a long, long and painful trial process, right? This shit requires support. I think she had it as part of her victim statement that uh, she was grateful for the support of her family, her friends, her community, right? We cannot, like, Whatever Asian-American racial baggage we have, and I'm not denying that exists, did not play in this particular case. Yeah, if it did, it wouldn't be a story right now. Her mom's we would not have her heard can't about just say, it. oh, because she has one Asian parent, her Asian mother specifically, a.k.a. is automatically a tiger mom and, you know, did this, 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 and this. Right, that's so many assumptions. You know, and it's like not even just Jeff Yang. I've seen like other posts by Asian women who are like, oh, like, it, you know, like somebody was like, oh, it's like um her, it's like I wonder how many aunties were whispering behind her back or like telling her not to come forward or something like that. And it's like that is yeah. a lot of assumptions and they are really racist. And also it's, hmm? Yeah, like, like, look, okay. If in her book she's she describes a struggle with that, fine. We will grapple with that shit. I know, I I know. Like these women, I feel like I feel for them. I know what these women are putting are putting across. Right? They experience trauma in their lives, possibly related to sexual assault, and there was immigrant trauma, shame. Maybe a lot of that came down to bear on them. Uh, I think they deserve the space to be able to tell their own stories. And we should be able to, as a community, be able to grapple with those culturally specific dimensions in those cases. And I think those women deserve it too. It's wrong to just expect someone else's story, as powerful as it is, as Chanel Miller's. It's wrong to have to hope that her story can represent everyone's. Like, these women deserve their own space to talk about this shit. Yeah, but... It's so selfish it to co-opt it this woman's story. Because you have to. And it's also very, very. You have to page- rely on racism to fill in these gaps. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you've gone a step too fucking far. Yeah. You're essentializing. <laughs> and, look, and we talk about white patriarchy all the goddamn day. 
She has a white dad. Why aren't we pointing if we're just going to wildly assume shit, right? Why is it the Asian tiger mom that held her back and not a white patriarchal dad who wanted to keep a lid on this shit? Right, or why? If we're going to just... If we're gonna just fling insults and 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 accusations and assumptions, why aren't we, why isn't any of that landing on him, right? Right. But also, it is a white patriarchal man who raped her, and a white patriarchal judge who gave, you know, leeway to that that rapist, and just like a white patriarchal, you know, like system that is just basically okay with it you know it's like this like out of all of the things that you could point the finger at you're gonna point it at your fucking yeah. auntie like, show me show it me just asian boggles my mind in this there isn't even an any there isn't even asian faces on the other side of that aisle it was an asian victim and not there at no point in that process was another asian presence of no didn't at no point did another asian face have anything to do with this horrible outcome to a horrible crime so why and i think i mean the track record for asian supporting victims of sexual assault is strong we got our receipts we have our receipts right flushing queen new york city right an entire city of chinese immigrants Bronte yeah, Kim, hell yeah. Turned the fuck out to support a murdered sex worker because she was one of them, right? You want to talk about Asian shame about that shit? Where the fuck was that in this case? Where was it? This co- entire community, men and women, it, men and women, working class, young, old, all of them turned out to support the sex worker. And you, but but like we have to be, we have to suddenly be like, oh shit, yeah, I need to do some introspection about my aunties because a white man raped the. Wait, hold on, what? Like no, yeah, just no. She was victimized <laughs> right. twice, second time by her Asian mom. I I, w- I want to wait for her to tell her story. If there's dimensions to this that she wants to share, absolutely, we will revisit this. But for now, like, there's just racism in the blanket assumptions being thrown about as to what contributed to this fucking mess. And why was it so hard? Like, Jeff, why is it so fucking hard, Jeff, to just point a finger and say, you're a piece of shit, Judge Persky, Brock Turner, Brock Turner's shit dad? Right? Why why is it so hard to point a finger outwards? Why does it have to be some tortured inward gaze here? We did nothing wrong here. It I feel is. like it is It is and blaming. by saying like, "Oh, I I you know, we need to su- support these victims more because they're silenced by our, you know, collective, you know, racial baggage." Like that just tells me you kind of want her to shut up about this shit. Her silence serves you. In this case, this was absolutely not about trying to support the victim. This is trying to support you in some twisted fucking way to the point where your her speaking out makes you so hyper concerned about re-triggering her and having to, you know, call call all the other Asians out for their complicity in silencing her. Nobody was complicit in this. In fact, we were turning out when we thought it was a white woman. It, it it also implies like just how uh how patronizing and like there's there's like kind of an assumption of just like fragility in victimhood here 
right? Because it's like, oh, she's she's so um, timid and frail and like she can't think for herself that she would be like brainwashed by her aunties or something into silence. It's like she is her own goddamn queen of a woman, you know, <laughs> like just like how how does somebody write a victim statement the way that she did and still get that assumption placed on her that is so racist it is so goddamn racist to process it and a lot of people don't come out yeah yeah she did it in months how many how many many cases don't go to trial sometimes or see any kind of justice because the victim doesn't make it because they commit suicide because their families abandoned them or whatever right yeah christine ford it took her till like fucking 2012 to even talk to her therapist about what happened to her think about that you know and just like how fucking strong chanel miller is to be able to process and present you know what happened to her so eloquently it just boggles my and this is this is the flip side of the um of the prostitute you know stereotype is like the perpetual like fragile victim like that is what jeff yang is putting on chanel right now is like she's so weak she's gonna be silenced she's like been silenced oh my god it was so hard for her like that that kind of almost pisses me off more because it's like you know full well these stereotypes and yet you still victim blame a whole community based on them like what the fuck is that about like how much do you hate yourself like how deeply can somebody hate themselves to jump to that conclusion it shows how they think about you know women and and their own race i wonder how yeah I mean, if people said that about, uh, again, Emma Sokowitz, would they call her, um, you know, say that about her? I mean, she was open and definitely strong in caring. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they um, were definitely strong in carrying the mattress and being very mm-hmm. upfront about it, your visual mm-hmm. and vocal. And Chanel Miller made a choice to come forward, be public with a strong statement. You know, how, how bold of a title can you get, right? Like this is this is a fight she's willing to take on, and if we're rallying behind her, now's not the time to start distracting. And I I I don't want to give Jeff Yang too much credibility here. I don't think he's even think. I don't think he gives a shit about this this woman. No, he doesn't. Uh, so fuck like about this, anybody is, else. I'm not gonna parse it in terms of like what his motives were and how to in thinking about how to protect her. So I I highly doubt that's that was high on his list of priorities here he leveraged a a, a splashy keyword ish name to gain some clicks to gain some fame for himself right Uh, using a flimsy pretext that he spun into like a 2000 word uh word salad right so fuck him fuck that and now's not the time to be distracting from anything here (laughs) what's What's being, what's being, what's at stake here is not how shitty Asian aunties are. It's really not, believe it or not. It's about, it's about a fucking rapist who got away with it 
let's keep let's keep it let's keep it focused on what the actual issue is here right why are we distracting why why there's so little point to this yeah and the picture that chanel uh chose for press too isn't you know, literally a picture of someone who is uh weak or um you know all those things that people are assuming about her she's putting forward this front uh, of strength to help others yeah i i mean she deserves all of our support that's that's just the long and, stor- and short of it um so <laughs> and i i'm really hoping she's she's hoping i'm i'm hoping she uses her newfound uh platform to really do some good here yeah i'm i'm pretty confident um that it will yeah but i mean like going back to like there've been like mixed responses to that right and I, um i mean i think it does bring out a, like particularly that it is an asian face right um, it is bringing out a lot of conversations among, you know, other Asians, particularly Asian women. So I think second to, you know, let's we need to support Chanel Miller. It's also um, if we need to be supporting other stories too, other people who were not able for whatever reason to find justice, right, or to get any kind of any kind of closure at all, right, even or even any attention, right. I think what it what Chanel Miller's coming out um, reminded me is that there are so many people who will never be able to. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully it starts a movement, though, um, that maybe other people will feel um, like in, you know, other cases, the Cosby case, the Epstein case, is that once Mm -hmm. one person speaks out. I I really hope this is uh, like, like Me Too ran its, ran a certain course. Uh, I think it culminated... Uh, it peaked with the Christine Ford testimony and fizzled out with uh, with the shenanigans of some of the women who started the Me Too movement, or who made you know the Hollywood you know Alyssa Milano, um, what's mm-hmm. her what's her face the other one um, Asia yeah Argento. Asia Argento yeah um, and there's one more uh, Rose McGowan yeah um, you know as as though as those three women kind of fizzled out with their own misbehavior, you know, um, I feel like Me Too kind of stalled, right? Just seeing, uh, just seeing how the futility of the Christine Ford testimony, how that didn't stop anything from changing. It was just a repeat of Anita Hill uh, back in the '80s, honestly. And then seeing how the ma- some of these major figures who were standing uh, at the forefront of the Me Too movement turned out to be, well, a bit shitty themselves. Uh, I think it did expose a lot of the weaknesses of the movement in that it was so hyper focused on white woman victimhood. There were no there were no significant cases where women of color were given any prominence in that entire era. Maybe, uh, I mean. We were they were taking down Weinstein, they were taking down big figures who did primarily go for uh white women, white powerful women. But that still reinforced a narrative that only white women victimhood uh could be could be um humanized. Yeah. That these were the victims who yeah. were most deserving of of uh humanity and justice, right? It leaves off a lot of other victims here. I mean, a lot of uh, Latino 
Meatpacking workers reported their boss was sexually assaulting them, and instead of anything happening to the boss, ICE just deported them. So if there's a, there is, like, Me Too's not over, and its work is very far from done. I'm glad that, I, I, I am glad in, in, don't get me wrong, that um, rich white women now have a very public means of outing, shaming uh, uh, white predators, right? Taking them down. I'm That's something. But to think that that's the end-all be-all, you're, you're fucking high. Yeah, media response is interesting because most of the media is still white men. So just media reaction to, to certain cases and, and where they'll stand. Yeah, and we are a long ways away from being able to see a straight, a, a brown, black, or yellow-coated face, female face, um, as deserving of this same level of sympathy as, like, the Nicole Kidmans of the world. For sure. Right, and Chanel's giving, you know, new strength and um, more a wind beneath the, <laughs> the wings of the yeah. movement. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's needed as, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of it kind of just went south. And, wow. and yeah, like you said, two times up um, with, uh, what's her name, Scarlett Johansson, wearing a Time's Up shirt and then, you know, coming out publicly defending um, Woody Allen. So, you know, I mean, that's we still have it deserves so, like like I think we're at the point where we can start to have more these more nuanced dis- discussions, right? Like what is up with all of these powerful women who slide into power under the banner of like feminism or women's empowerment and turn around to become absolute pieces of shit? Right? It's not it's no longer enough to just support a woman just because she's a woman. Like that, that, that veneer of progressivism is worn very, very thin. Like there has to be a more ethical, all-encompassing vision of progress that uh, that is represented by having an underrepresented minority in power. Not, not if it's just power laundered through a female or a POC face. Um, that's nothing has changed. Nothing's changed. So Scarlett Johansson isn't really, to me, it's not like she's a two-faced bitch, except, I mean, she is, Um, (laughs) but it's like, she's what, the highest paid actress in Hollywood? Like, right? And like, it's actually pretty like comparable to the highest paid male actors, right? She's had a long career. Um, She's a star in her own right. Um, She's... She's part of the patriarchy. She's not actually fighting for women. She's is part of the power structure. She's not challenging shit. And it's just interesting that she decides to defend Woody Allen in a time when like powerful men are disavowing him. Um like uh like what exactly do you think you're defending here? <laughs> right. I mean, going back to last week's pod, um you know, when they're talking about Simo Liu, it, you know, how he's part of part of the institution now, like, this is kind of a danger, right? Like, he could become just like Scarlett Johansson, you know, like, like, who who's to who's to stop that? Or I mean, they like, I just feel like they would use they would use him and he would like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I get. I don't know. I what get saying. what you're saying. Like, what if uh, they use him 
to like let's say five years from now Simulu is a bajillionaire and you know made a ton of money uh, off his Marvel franchise and someone somewhere makes a totally racist movie about killing a bunch of Asian people and um, screwing a bunch of Asian whores or something. Uh, they get a ton of backlash and then they put our boy Simu to be like, yeah, no, that's that's fine. Um, to write that permission slip that, you know, everyone can just see like, oh, yeah, see, like, these people are just hysterical. This is just funny. Um, right. So th- that that fear is warranted and it should be taken into consideration it's not enough to just support a woman or whatever whatever minority cause it's it's for everyone's benefit to really interrogate what they stand for um i like bad representation is worse than none It, it it really is i'd rather be invisible than portrayed badly and i think we're not we're not uh we're we're lucky to be in a position where we can be picky we can be pickier i I should say right uh like this is absolutely a turning point for for these issues and how we collectively navigate that turn will determine how things how things look you know 10 15 20 years from now um and so it's really not enough just be like yeah we have a hot asian guy headlining marvel or yeah scarlett johansson's out earning chris pratt or whatever and i don't actually know if that's true um but like she's she made $56 million last year. Yeah, no, this this case Chanel. with uh, Chanel will be the the true test of intersectional feminism today, how people respond. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a dimension, yeah. there's such a dimension of class here, too. Like, part of, uh, like, we talk about her race and gender, right, in terms of all the factors that led into um, this case making such a big splash in the national headlines. Another is, one other thing is that it was a Stanford student, a Stanford swimmer, that perpetrated it. Like, no one would give a shit if some, like, plumber did the same thing. Unless the plumber did it to a Stanford student on the Stanford campus or some shit, right? Like, there's a huge dimension of class being uh, being brought up to, to the forefront. And I think it's it's on us to properly be able to pick up on that, too. Uh, like, there's a huge class dimension to this. Like all these stories of poor, like, uh, like, I won't say poor, but like shitty sexpats, you know, who go to brown countries to buy a wife, right? And, and commits, uh, and, and abuses her or even straight up murders her. Nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody. Yeah, it would get picked up, if at all, on some, like, third-tier publication on some obscure corner of the internet, right? Maybe not even in, you know, English news at all. Um, but, th- so this is the dimension of class that that we can't ignore in this, too. And I think that's, like, and so that's why Jeff Yang, you know, irresponsible shit like what Jeff Yang put down hurts in so many different ways. Because again, he's not thinking about poor Asians and cons- as poorly thought out and self-absorbed as that that screed was by him, he's still not considering, you know, like, like would he even give a shit if someone re- read that and was like, oh, dude, yeah, you do- you totally missed that one protest that happened over in New York uh, where the entire community came out for this one, you know, like murdered sex worker, right? He wouldn't give a shit because it's not it's <laughs> yeah. not the class he cares about. He wouldn't give a shit. All right, we are at about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, 
Does anybody have final thoughts? No, I said it all. <laughs> you said it really well. No, see, yeah. no, this is what you always said it. always happens. I'll say it now, and then like two hours, I'll think of something really good, mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh fuck, fuck." <laughs> we'll tag it on at the end. You can record it yourself, <laughs> hey guys, and we'll tag it's it on. Just, so it's two a.m. and I thought of something. Tope. Um, no. uh, oh yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see how the system processes uh, Chanel Miller's book and different reviews of it from different kinds of book critics too, actually, um, how mm-hmm. they'll view her words, um, you know, how, how she identifies and, and how they view her still, uh, no matter, you know, exactly where she comes from or who her parents are from. But yeah, we'll see what kind of choice words journalists are going to put out. Um, yeah, after September 24th. I mean, preliminary stuff has been pretty heartening to me. Like, I kind of stayed away from it because I just, I didn't even want to know. That's how much I was I was worried about it. But, like, the bits and pieces that I pick up from, like, uh, feminist media figures, it's all been really positive in terms of reception. Um, so I'm hopeful. I know we unpacked, like, just how it's been shitty for us for, like, 300 years now. Um... But, like, I, I, I do see reason to be hopeful that there are, um, that there are enduring there are, changes uh, coming. That there are enduring changes. Yeah, and not just uh, commentary from journalists, too, but I think we're going to see a lot of um, online commentary from all kinds of people. Um, CBS yeah. is putting on an interview with her, and I'm sure people are going to grab sound bites and, and judge. I mean, still with other... Uh, major rape cases in the news, people are still totally talking down and, you know, verbally bullying these these women, you know, Kristen mm-hmm. Ford, etc. Um, for mm-hmm. for years, you know, they're still calling people uh, fake accusers and belittling oh, yeah, them, for sure. no matter what race they are. So I think, yeah, we'll see if there's any uh, racialized commentary about Chanel from not just the, um, you know, the journalist class or the media class, but, you know, just from anybody online. Yeah, I definitely want to read the book and um, revisit the topic afterward, you know, just like see what happens um, and talk about it again in like three months or something like that. Um, Or maybe longer or maybe we'll keep revisiting this because it's an important topic. It, you know, it, I just also thought of Ellen Powell in that case. And, you know, back then, this happened in 2011 or something, right? Like, they never, they never talked, not at all. They did not talk about her, um, her race as any kind of factor in how that case played out. But I just wonder how much it did, you know, because she lost that lawsuit and she I think she said somebody told her well you know like it was a hard case to win because you're not the perfect victim and um part of that was like you know like because she had uh an affair with one of the guys that was consensual uh at at some point uh in her um in her career at Kleiner Perkins but I wonder how much of it was like, you know, 
just her identity. Like I wasn't in the courtroom. I th- I'm pretty sure they got a like a like a female lawyer uh, to prosecute, or, you know, for for the corporate side. But I'm wondering if it's like you know they got a white woman to call Ellen Powell a whore, and that's why she didn't win. Yeah, suddenly the stereotyping changes. Then she's framed as a, a dragon lady who doesn't deserve sympathy. Yeah, all of that. I bet all of that came out, but I, I, I didn't hear anything from from that angle, and I'm I'm just. It makes me sad, you know. You know it's there, but you don't know where. You don't know exactly where, you know. That's the thing about this shit because it's so systemic. This goes back. This goes back, you know, before any of our times, right? That's how, like deep into history. That's how deep and ingrained this shit is. So I'm not even sure we're able to pick up on it when we see it because this is just the pervasive background noise of our lives. And it's it's the only... And so it's so easy to fall back on, well, it's something I did, right? I wasn't smart enough, assertive enough, or too assertive, Right. Because that's almost the only thing you actually can control in a terrible system. So with Ellen Powell, I mean, it's both in how that case played out, right? Uh, both in her time at Kleiner Perkins throughout that horrible trial, but also I, I see it play out now. Um, like we're willing to revive, uh, revisit um, Monica Lewinsky, Lorena Bobbitt, and it's worthy, it's absolutely worthy. Um, but no one's giving credit to Ellen Powell. To me, she's actually the forerunner to this uh, to the Me Too movement in a different industry, but in the same you know it, on the class axis, she she was also a woman who went up against entrenched, powerful, wealthy white male interests and lost. She suffered under it and lost. Uh, and said she was horribly abused again on all sides. And I, I mean, I, I, I was working. I was a very junior uh, worker in the industry at that time. But I mean, the rhetoric that women would use was is again was again very abusive. This was this was a different time. I think people. It's easy to uh, underestimate just how rapidly um, mindsets and and public opinion changed. But back at that point. Um, if you were a woman in tech, uh, you were primed to feel extremely lucky to be a woman because uh, to be a woman initiated into this rarefied priesthood, these gods that were controlling, you know, humanity's future, right? You were primed to be to be bought oh, yeah. into Same the system, in STEM. which which meant that women were talking about Ellen Powell as, you know, embarrassing, making waves right? Not knowing her place, or maybe she just wasn't good at her job and is uh, suing because to cover up for her own ineptitudes. You know, you know how, you know, women are, you know, like, I would never do that. I want to work hard and make my name on my own terms. You know, I would never stand for abuse or anything like that. Like, and it's like, bull fucking shit. Where are we now? Right? In, in 2019, right? This, this, uh, the Me Too movement has come for tech. There's a deep reckoning, right? There is wide understanding and and pushback, right? Not saying that everyone fully accepts, uh, fully accepts the terms here that, you know, rape actually is bad, right? That's surprise. That's a surprisingly controversial statement, right? Don't get me wrong. 
But like there is at least a mood of you know holding the powerful accountable, not not buying into the ideology of this industry as fully as people did back in like when she brought Kleiner Perkins to trial. But no one's giving her the fucking credit for it. No one is, and that's a fucking shame. Uh, and to me, like she is, a le- and the fact that she is Asian, right? That she doesn't necessarily center that, but come on, it's like. It's who she is, right? Um, like she's absolute. Mm-hmm. This is you can see it yeah. on her face. You don't need to be. You don't need to. That's what Dave Chappelle said. She never really uh, speaks on you know her racialized experience, but she doesn't need to. That's who she is, and that's that we all know how that informed her experience throughout the system. Um, we wouldn't like other women in tech right now owe a deep debt of gratitude for her for at least starting to make the waves that are escalating now and hopefully we'll keep you know keep going um but no one is willing to give her the credit it's all the credit all goes to other white women women who came much later who who are reporting who are reporting similar things so obviously yeah obviously their cases are still are still important and should and deserve space but she came for she was willing to break the silence. She was willing to violate the terms of the priesthood, right? The si- the code of silence to take a big VC to trial in a time when she had no solidarity even with other women in the industry. Like she wouldn't have found solidarity with women, she would not have found solidarity with Asians, right? There was no subset, there was no slice of this demographic that would have been willing to unambiguously stand for her and she did that shit anyway a full decade right in other words we had 10 almost 10 fucking years to get our shit together after her case went public and nothing happened that's also an indictment of the system too and how far and how much you know um like i'm holding myself complicit too because i remained a member of i remained in that industry right I was fortunate to not experience some any of that shit, but still, the fact that my labor went towards that industry means that I cannot be, I'm not, I can't distance myself from that, right? We had 10 fucking years to get our shit together. There were so many victims in the interim that did not need to become victims, yet here we are, and nobody's, all I want is for Ellen Powell's name to be revived as, and given the credit that she deserves. <laughs> Well, you know, like Me Too was started by a black woman in like the 80s or 90s or something. Like, why the fuck is Alyssa Milano getting credit for stealing that idea? Maybe my personal stance was to, I mean, I'm I'm a solo entrepreneur. Um, like, I just like what you want me to work 80 hours to rise up the ranks at Google. So what I like if I'm lucky enough, I can be raped by a VP. Yeah, great. That sounds like a super great time for me. No thanks. I I hope I hope so. It all does something. You 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 can only do what you can do, and hope it go and hope it adds. Right on. All right, <laughs> we gotta we gotta get out of here. It was wonderful <laughs> though. I, I want to say thank for you now. again. For now. Thank you so much for being a guest here. Gosh, no, thank you and. We got so much more to yeah. talk about. I, I, even in text I love your Twitter feed. I think you're doing amazing work. Um, is there anything you wanted to to boost to talk about uh, to showcase a little to our audience here? Uh, let's see. No, I <laughs> I'm trying to get over that uh, 
learning to toot my own horn a little bit better. So, so thank you for op offering me the opportunity. It's funny because I did write a whole screenplay about uh, an Asian American Ooh. woman in tech. And I thought about awesome. Ellen Kate Powell wow, yeah. during that awesome. time. Yeah. 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 So, you know, with uh, Emily Chang and uh, the book Grotopia, I just feel like, yeah, there, there's a lot more room for that kind of discussion because that's, that's such an uh, industry that, that speaks volumes for everything else, <laughs> like you said. Yeah. And we'll put your social media and um, information on the on the episode uh yeah absolutely if there's any work you wanted to to promote or boost or anything you wanted some people to take a look at yeah we're happy to put it up too i'm sure our audience would be delighted oh thank you you're both mm -hmm. uh, too kind yeah i'll put that uh article about me love you long time up there because perfect i think it has perfect. a lot to do with this whole you know, right. narrative of us as yeah. perpetual <laughs> prostitutes <laughs> Follow Bitch Pack. Bitch Pack. I love yes. saying that. Bitch Pack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was another episode of Escape from Plan A. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Patreon. Um, you'll get bonus episodes, access to our Discord, and contribute to helping support and find new and exciting Asian American writers uh, and other POC writers as well. Uh, we want to support everyone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even if you don't um, give us your money, please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and so on and so forth. All right. Thank you again. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye.